0: Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved.
1: Hey, I we them. are not cattle radio. All one word. Well... Sorry for that, everybody. Welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am joined by Lee Camp, comedian, activist, fellow truth seeker. So, um, hey Lee, thanks for spending some time with us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, uh, I you, hey, you and I talk, were talking right before we went on air about um, about the Fox News interview. So, I did want to kind of cover a few things um, front and center. Obviously, you're a comedian. So um, you know you do have some shows coming up, but uh, I just wanted to find out how did you get started in comedy? Uh I was doing I mean, I wanted to be a comedian since I was uh
0: you know, since I was like twelve or something and, mm-hmm. and uh I started performing in college and it was all non political stuff, you know, observational, Jerry Steinfeld, uh Let sure. me tell you let me tell you about my dog kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I I kind of grew, and I evolved, and um, after years of playing the comedy clubs in New York and touring the country, playing colleges, uh, it just kept growing and becoming more and more political, and, uh, and it, it's kind of the only type of
1: comedy I want to do now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can definitely relate to that. So, um, now, how did you get... What was the uh, what was the turning point for you? How did you start becoming political? What were what were like some events that woke you up? I know you've mentioned John Perkins' book before in one of your videos. That was one of the um, the anvils on my head. What uh, what kind of got you uh, trending towards uh, activism and being more um, more political? Um, yeah, I mean his book was one of the several important books in terms of kind of my
0: awakening to how the world works. Uh, uh, for those who don 't know it 's called Confessions of an economic Hitman was his first book mm-hmm. and uh but there was, you know there were several even even fiction like catch twenty two and uh watching democracy now and just kind of getting my news from outside sources uh mm-hmm. made a huge difference and and uh yeah it, it, it was it was kind of like I feel like my education happened after college. it was like I got done with college, and then I was like, oh, now I can actually start educating myself on how the world actually works." That's
1: that's what you get from the majority of activists that I talk to. It's it's never anything that you learn in the in the public brainwashing institution, and it's typically never anything that you learn in college. It's the it's the real world application, and then just uh, questioning things. And then once you start questioning, well, damn, how do What do you mean the Fed gets to print money? What, what are you talking about? And then you know, typically that'll that'll jump you off the diving board and send you into a whole different direction. So how did you get involved in uh, in activism and, and Occupy and all those guys? Um, well, it it actually started, uh, I got an email. I started doing the Moment of Clarity
0: rants, you know. these mm-hmm. I do these uh, th- three- to five-minute rants twice a week, and a, a uh, fairly well-known blogger named David DeGraw contacted me in, in 2011 and uh, said, you know, I want to try and do this move your move your money occupation thing mm-hmm. on June 14th of that year and uh will you make a video kind of promoting it so I did that and we then did the move your money on June 14th uh you know, it didn't get that much traction a little bit maybe but not that much and and then kind of it you know what what David de was pushing forward and what several other people were pushing forward kind of coalesced into occupy and Adbusters joined on to what they were doing and uh and that's when Occupy started, uh, September 17th of that year, and, and I was there the first night, and, and it was just great to see it spread around the country. I started doing a lot of videos about it, and then uh, whenever I was in any city, I would go perform at Occupy, and, and uh, I probably ended up performing at a dozen of them, both in
1: the U.S. and Canada, and, and uh, you know, the most amazing people in the world. Absolutely, and it's just the people that understand what what has happened to society, Especially here in the United States and, you know, being in the compartmentalized, um, mainstream media, a lot of people don't understand what's really happened to this country. And the people that do, we're, we're kind of looked upon as, as the, um, as the oddballs, I guess. So what would you say is the biggest misconception about the Occupy movement itself? The biggest misconception, um, I'd say is that, that
0: Occupy, both when it was, uh when occupying was the main tactic uh mm-hmm. and now uh I said the biggest misconception is that they don't that they or we or whatever you want to say don't know what we want and don't know what our demands are now there's definitely an argument to be made that the demands or the the what what we wanna change uh should be limited down, but in terms of you know not knowing or or not voicing demands, I mean you could walk around any occupy in any city and get essentially the same 10, you know, 8 or 10 uh, demands of the system that mm-hmm. need to change in order for us to have a a sustainable system in order for us to have a system that works for everyone as opposed to just working for a, a small percentage. And you know, yes there were there was the there was the occasional person down at one of the protests that you know wanted to save the dolphins, which mm-hmm. is uh you know important <laughs> But but perhaps not the main request. But if you really polled people, it was the same shit. You know, it was yeah. like it was getting getting money out of politics and and uh, you know bringing back Glass Steagall and 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 uh, uh, you know ending the, the the corruption in the in the the political sphere and money in politics has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. And so it was really the same things. You know, like uh, it, it it wasn't. Everyone knows that all the wealth is accumulating in the top 1% and that when that happens, eventually it ends in collapse or, you know, worse. And, and like, even the people there know that. Like, if you talk to people on Wall Street, the ones I've spoken to, most of them understand that it can't go on forever. They they just feel like they've got, you know, if they're lucky, they've got another five or ten years of, uh, you know, uh, grabbing all the loot out of the burning building.
1: right. Yeah, just they got five more years of absolutely raping the public before the public figures out what goes on, or they completely destroy the system. I think you're spot on with both of those conclusions. And now, um, what's front and center on your radar screen? Obviously, you have got the NSA stuff coming out. You got the the suspicious death of the Rolling Stone reporter. What's what's front and center on in Lee Camp's world right now?
0: Yeah, I mean I try and look at the the big picture so the NSA is definitely a, a a very large picture thing to see how uh how our government but it's beyond it's beyond our government it's like the power elite you know the, mm-hmm. the the top whatever percentage 0.1% that largely uh run our our government and and our nation are now uh spying on everything we do and say and and like, it, it kind of is outrageous that you aren't, you don't see more complaints from the American people, that you aren't seeing people in the streets. I mean, when, when, when Edward Snowden, uh, released that information, I, I definitely thought, I mean, despite being the most cynical person in the world, I definitely thought there was going to be more outrage. But what you see is the media is, is really impressive at, you know, uh, uh, quelling the outrage. It, they mm-hmm. they, they dump cold water on it quite quickly. And this goes for the quote-unquote left media and the right media. Sure. They, they both say the same things, you know. Well, they'll, they'll have the argument over and over again, is Snowden a traitor? Is he or is he not? You know, the right. left will go, well, maybe he's not. But just by, having, just by making that the debate, mm-hmm. they've essentially taken the anger out of people about what the NSA's done and made it this argument about one
1: man. No, they are, you're exactly right. They control the narrative by making the debate about is it legal or is it illegal, not what the fuck is going on. What do you mean everything that I do is being spied upon? What do you mean all this stuff is is, is getting dumped into a big database and they're having you know third-party individuals go through and data mine it? What do you guys – and you're exactly right. It doesn't matter if it's the right wing, left wing, wherever you stand on it, if it's a mainstream media issue – They're going to – remember, they're going to support this establishment because that's who funds most of their operations. So they're going to sit there and and defend it and and play like uh, political football games or political Ferris wheel is what I call it. You just get on the Ferris wheel. It goes up and down, but you don't really go anywhere, and you just basically talk yourself in a circle. Right, and the
0: other other thing they love to do uh, is the we already knew all this information game. Oh, yeah. Basically, basically, as long as they say that, people will just shut up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I get a lot of that, too. I put up two uh, pretty popular videos uh, for Moment of Clarity. That's the rants I do. Mm -hmm. And I put two of them up, one about Snowden and Bradley Manning and one about uh, NSA. And I kept getting these responses of people going, we already knew all this stuff. We already knew all this stuff even if that were true even mm-hmm. if you like won the argument that all of this was essentially known mm-hmm. that doesn't that that doesn't that shouldn't end the the anger and the outrage over it we should all be in the streets you know demanding our privacy be returned which let's keep in mind all of this is done under the guise of for the uh for the uh, uh to protect us from terrorism for the war mm-hmm. on terror meanwhile you have twice as many people in America dying from peanut allergies as from terror you know probably at least as many dying from uh texting while driving or you know probably 10 <laughs> times as many uh, dying from texting while driving yeah, so where is that outrage where is the where is the let's give up all our rights to be protected from texting outrage it does. It, it's absolutely irrational the way we behave, giving up every right that this country's been founded on to be protected from something that you're more likely to get struck by lightning than die from a terror attack.
1: Yeah, and and the one thing that I I mention on my podcast a lot is that you're eight times more likely to get killed by a cop than you are a terrorist. But yet when cops pull you over, you feel completely safe because they've got you know a sign, they got a shiny badge on and a costume. So. It really does speak to the actual psyche of the American public. Now, what do you think causes this? Um, What do you think causes it? I've heard many people say that it's, um, it's cognitive dissonance coupled with a couple of other psychological terms. And cognitive dissonance means that, obviously, if a hurricane has never hit New York City, then a hurricane will never hit New York City. And that's kind of the mentality, do you think? What do you think keeps the sheep in their little comfort zone? Well, there's a lot
0: of things. I mean, there's all the media stuff we've been talking about, which, I mean, it's it's not like I don't want to act like it's only idiots that believe this stuff. I mean, I I very much even when I became kind of more politically awake, I still believed that the left wing media was based, you know, and if we want to call it that, it's really mm-hmm. more, uh, um, corporate act, more corporate more, media, more corporate, yeah. Well, but uh, no, no, I don't think all the media is left wing. I mean, Fox News is as right wing as they 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 come. <laughs> but I, I I was referring to the left, wing which is a bad term. But let let's say MSNBC. I used to think that MSNBC uh, cared about what the left wing cared about, but really, mm-hmm. what they care about is what the corporate Democrats care about, mm-hmm. and that's and that's where it ends. And they will never go beyond that. And so the the the, the media like. You know, puts forward these narratives and very smart people believe them, that those right. are our options, you know? Right. Uh, those are the only, you know, the, the debate is, as we were saying before, the debate is, is Snowden a traitor or not? The debate is never, uh, you know, forget Snowden. How angry should we be over these NSA revelations? Like that, that debate is largely not had. And even if it is had, you know, sometimes people will point me to one clip going, look, it was covered on CNN. And you're like, Look, they have 24-7 news, mm-hmm. and they have spent 30 seconds on something I say wasn't covered, and that counts
1: as covering it. Right, I and they probably it did it at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning when their entire audience is asleep. Right, right, right. But so beyond the media, I think that, yeah, it is,
0: even though people are very much suffering, and there's more homeless people in New York since than, than uh, since the Great Depression, mm-hmm. um, even though people are very much suffering, we do have a level of comfort in this country that allows even the suffering people to still have a roof over their head, to still have pretty clean water. You know, they won't get the cancer for 20 years from now. Sure. So uh they clean water and, the you know, food that's not actually food, but we all think it's food. So that, that counts. Right. So, they all, we all have enough comfort that that it, it, people aren't angry enough. And then I think the final the, the final factor is just a learned helplessness. Right. You know, one of my favorite studies, which I guess was done back when you were allowed to harm dogs in your studies, mm-hmm. uh, was they, they took two dogs, and one of them was shocked and had a way to avoid the shocks, and mm-hmm. the other one was shocked and had no way to avoid the shocks. And then... It's after they shocked him, and the one that could avoid him learned to avoid it quite quickly. Mm -hmm. The one that couldn't avoid it, eventually they gave him a way to avoid the shocks, but he didn't use it. He didn't Mm -hmm. care to find out because he learned he was helpless against the shocks. Right. So a dog that's been shocked over and over again and has learned he can't avoid it will stop trying to look for a way to avoid it. So we have decided, and you know, Occupy getting kicked off the streets is a good example of this. We, I think a lot of Americans have decided that protest doesn't work, that standing up doesn't work, that speaking out doesn't work, that they have to do their, their job and, and, and stick to their, their, uh, you know, to, to their day to day and, and, and never really fight back. Uh, isn't that the only option?
1: Well, it's, it's really sad that, like you said, that even if you, even if you do rally people, like here in Atlanta, we had the big. I mean, it was all over the country. You had the big march on Monsanto and all that stuff, and here in Atlanta, we had um, we had like probably three to five thousand people. And then when the media covered it, it's like oh, seven hundred people showed up for a little rally, and you know it couples that with the fact that people are just like you said. They're they're in their comfort zone. I heard a statistic, and maybe I was on your interview with Max Kaiser. I don't remember exactly where I get this number from, but it was something like that um, even the poorest Americans live better than 80% of the people around the world. So that really does speak to what you're saying is that we we're lucky and blessed to be living in America, but the fact that what America stood for and what it should be and what it should still stand for is being slowly eroded, and then they come out and make um, just bullshit excuses for why they're doing it. We're, we're fighting a phony war on terror because we've got to sell weapons, and then we've got to arm the Syrian rebels that are affiliated with al-Qaeda. I just don't, I don't get what, um, what's going on here. So what do you think the solution is for some of this stuff? Obviously, standing up doesn't work. Are there solutions for the American public? Are there ways for us to really voice our opinion and, and well, make change? Well, hold on. Let,
0: let let me back up and, and address some things. Uh, one thing is is uh, yeah, I think uh, Max said that eighty percent number on the interview, and I did get uh, one person email me recently, and she had one good point. Uh, some of what she said I didn't agree with, but she had one good point about when we say that we live better than eighty percent of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of people use that to uh to as a as a reason to feel guilty about like well we don't need to stand up. We are living so wealthy. Right. Mm-hmm. Why are we what what is there to stand up about? But of course that's bullshit because right. because the wealth is still getting amassed in, in in a very small percentage, you know, the six heirs of the Walmart fortune have the same amount of wealth as the bottom forty percent of the country, 125 million people. Right. So the wealth is, is is amassed in a tiny percentage of people, and the the ramifications, you know, the repercussions are throughout the world. They're right. like it it affects the entire world. So you're not just standing up for us; you're standing up for for everybody and for the society we live in and and, and a sustainable society. You know, and even if we're living well, even if we were all sitting on gold toilets right Mm -hmm. now, that wouldn't change the fact that we are living in such a way that this earth can't sustain it. It it will not be able to sustain it uh, forever. So, you know, so it doesn't matter whether we're happy or comfortable or not, which I don't believe we are, but still, that's not a reason not to stand up. Um, And then the other thing is, is you said, obviously standing up doesn't work, and I don't want to uh, sign on to that. I, I believe that... It hasn't worked uh, to some degree, mm-hmm. but uh, two things. One is, uh, if you look at Occupy and things like that, it very much has worked in a larger degree than the media wants to admit, because Occupy changed the en- entire conversation in this country from austerity mm-hmm. to income disparity, to right. wealth inequality. Mm-hmm. So, And even if that, that argument is now being pushed back towards austerity, it still means that over the course of a month, we changed the entire discussion despite having all the media against us changed mm-hmm. the entire discussion in this country and became the first spontaneous leaderless global protest in the history of mankind mm-hmm. so there's a lot to be said for that achievement um the, the the second thing is that uh you know standing up hasn't worked uh n- it never works until it does right right mm-hmm. like you know any any great protest you've seen in the history of mankind, whether it be you know Gandhi or or civil rights or whatever, mm-hmm. it very much looks like it's not working until it does. Right. I mean, you, easily the the people of Egypt could have could have gone home and and you know what's what's happening in Egypt now doesn't. To, in my opinion, that doesn't change the success of getting Mubarak out and uh, and the people standing up for themselves. But anyway. Uh, right. If they easily could have gone home after the first, uh, uh, you know, set of of cops or thugs or whatever they were rode through the square, mm-hmm. uh, shooting people and p- hitting people with baseball bats, and said, you know, standing up doesn't work. Right. But eventually it did. Um, so I think I think that's something we have to keep in mind that, that standing up never works until it does. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I didn't mean to I didn't mean to poo-poo the idea of standing up because obviously I have. Uh, I have friends like um I have friends like Adam Kokesh that are organizing you know um people to just be at the capitals at every state capitol on july fourth and just in in a in a peaceful protest and and it's just a protest saying that look we're we're tired of the banks running our country, we're tired of the banks sending our troops over to fight unjust wars, we're tired of all this stuff. And I think that you make a really good point. It doesn't work until it works because if you see what happened in Brazil, I mean, they had just a couple thousand people start standing up over, you know, a, a, a minuscule hike in bus fares. Mm-hmm. And now look at it. Today there were reports of up to 2 million people out there because they're pissed off that their government's wasting money. They're bringing the World Cup here and then, you know, they're giving all this extravagant you know, praise to the World Cup and, and the, and the you know, Confederate Cup or whatever it's called down there, but then they're neglecting their people. So you're exactly yeah, right in effect.
0: Apparently it's going to cost billions of dollars to bring the World Cup, and meanwhile they're, you know the, the, the struggling people struggle even more, and, right. uh, and their tax dollars go to pay for that. And I think Americans don't realize how similar that is to what we're dealing with because all of these sports stadiums that go in in various cities mm-hmm. are, get major tax uh, you know they're allowed to avoid taxes. They're given all these, all this, you know, tax relief in order to bring these stadiums to these cities, and taxpayers foot the bill. You know, we all end up paying for these stadiums and 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 sports and everything, and and not to mention all the other places our our tax dollars go. But meanwhile, our infrastructure collapses. You right. Know? We we can Our tax dollars, which which are paid to help our society to create a better society for all of us, should go to things like bridges and things we all. <laughs> Used as opposed to given to uh, owners of sports stadiums.
1: Correct. And then they, I live in Atlanta, so I'm running through this right now. Where the Georgia Dome is, um, I think it's a little bit over like 15 years old, and it just got renovated like five years ago. But now they want to move it, and the stadium's going to cost billion, a billion dollars, literally a an effing billion dollars and they're trying to figure out where they're going to put this monstrosity and then you have you know small segments of the population like myself that are going no we're, no I'm not paying for a damn sports stadium right now our country is in great peril and you guys want to spend a billion dollars but then you have you know people on the other side that that just hear new sports stadium and they don't realize how it's going to affect their pocketbook and their wallet so it does really you do run the gauntlet of things that we can we can really do here and whether it's sports stadiums or whether it's the private prisons those are the things that really drive me nuts like the prisons the way that they've got them set up now in most of these states they'll They'll make the they'll make the funding public to actually build the prisons. Yeah. And then they make the profits private by hiring, you know, Wackenhut or whatever the fuck they're called now and they'll bring those guys in and then they have like insider deals with the municipalities to keep it at ninety percent occupancy. And then you had this thing come out last night on my Georgia News and not to Bogart the Mic or anything, but they're now incentivizing cops to write tickets. And then the the, right. the the chief of police comes out and says, "Well, it's not that we're incentivizing to write tickets. We're incentivizing people to actually show up in court because people are actually beating the system. Well, if you guys wouldn't go out there and revenue generate all day, then then we might be able to make something happen. And you guys didn't buy freaking armored vehicles and parade them down the street like that's freedom. Then right. then we
0: might be in good shape. I right. mean." We'll, the, the, the private prisons is, is horrific and it's an issue that more of America needs to pay attention to um, we have 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's prisoners mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's outlandish that this many of our citizens should be put in prison and it's not just the years you spend in prison but then once you get out, I mean you're, you're, it's, it's often on your permanent record, your you're life screwed. Is screwed up, your family screwed up, I mean mm-hmm. not seeing your kids for two years or three years or however many and then you're trying to get a job with a prison record, it's, it's just just destroys lives, and, and most of this, you know, what I don't know the percentages, but a lot of these are for you know, small, relatively small levels of, of drug consumption or drug uh, right. uh, uh, use. And and it's, it, you know, my, my opinion is listen, people have to medicate themselves against life. 70% of America is on prescription pills, which are legal, and then you put the people that are on pot, uh, you know, in jail. And what what wh- why is one worse than the other? People are medicating themselves against life because if you don't medicate against yourself against life, it flares up and stings like a bitch. Yep. So you know, be- different people do different things. I happen to use whiskey. Some people dress up like Power Rangers and hump lamp posts.
1: Yeah. I don't
0: think you should make the life me- life medication illegal. And the NYPD came out recently. The NYPD spent over a million hours over the past decade arresting people for small level pot consumption, like twenty five grams or less. Four hundred forty thousand arrests because people are smoking a joint and 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 the, the same lawmakers that are putting in these private prisons to make the money for their friends and their you know their little corporate buddies mm. they're the ones passing
1: the laws that put these people in these prisons yeah absolutely and then you you have people that um uh the the pot the pot deal and and everybody knows that um I'm a big advocate of of cannabis just because of the fact that that it was it was it was free this is what frustrates me is that people don 't understand how it even became illegal and it became illegal due through. You know, some big lobbyist getting up there and saying that this is this new drug and we got to be terrified of it, and then he puts out all of this propaganda about you know. Um, I can't even remember what. They, they, they probably found one story of a four-year-old who choked on a joint or something. No, it literally came out that he was <laughs> right. He was writing stories that were just completely false about people smoking a joint and then hacking up a bunch of people, and he 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 admitted that to Congress, and he's like, oh, here, look at all these news stories that he had his paid journalists go out and write you know fake pieces. About it. You know, this is something that had been, you know, medicine for 3,000 years, and it's one of the best biofuels on the planet. It's one of the best textiles on the planet. And like you said, if we want to try to save this, if we want to try to save the world, not just looking at it in a myopic perspective, let's save the United States because it's so much bigger than that. If you want to really transform the world, start using hemp instead of cotton. I mean, start using hemp instead of corn. I mean, you're actually burning food. This is the craziest shit in the world. You burn food to make oil less expensive, and then it raises oil, and then it raises gas prices. It's just yeah, and
0: speaking of corn, that's another lobby issue. I mean, because of the corn lobby… We uh we like corn is in three out of every four products mm-hmm. you see in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Like a something like a chicken nugget, a McDonald's chicken nugget has something like thirty ingredients and like thirty eight ingredients, and like thirty of them are corn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know why we're still calling it a chicken nugget. I think you should call it a corn nugget with a hint <laughs> of chicken
1: <laughs> and some plastic in there for you too. By the way, there's some plastic in there for and, you as well in the chicken. Oh, just so sick. Well, um, anything else you wanted to uh, to touch on before you go? Um, obviously, promote. Um, obviously, you have the website uh, leecamp.net. What other What other stuff do you got floating around out there?
0: Yeah, leecamp.net. My Twitter's is at leecamp. My Facebook is LeeCampComedian. comedian. And uh, I'm creating. I put up two to three free videos a week. Um, we're creating. We just did a successful. Kickstarter raised a lot of money to create a new Moment of Clarity show, so we're in the process of doing that. I have a whole team working on that with me. Awesome. And uh, then I also tour live. My schedules at leecamp.net too. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that the last, the last big thing is pretty much everything you and I have talked about, uh, or a lot of it comes down to money and politics. So mm-hmm. everybody should check out Move to Amend. Uh, I think it's dot com.
1: So Move to Amend is that probably i'm going to assume it's to to at least challenge the supreme court ruling that corporations are somehow people
0: yeah it's to amend the constitution uh to to uh, challenge that and get money out of politics citizens united decision and the, and those kind of things that have allowed uh, this this ridiculous flood of of money into our system mm-hmm. um you know something like 50% of congress is millionaires whereas 1% of the us population is millionaires yeah so it's it's we're not being represented the whole point of congress the whole point of our system is that we're represented by uh, someone who's similar to us, who's, who's our peers, but instead we've shifted into plutocracy, which is ruled by the wealthy. And,
1: exactly, uh, and, corp- and and corporatism on top of that. So, now, um, just out of my curiosity, what would you categorize yourself um, from a political stance? I hate I hate labels, but obviously, um, from a from a financial standpoint, and also like from. I guess from a a currency standpoint like what do you believe as far as currency goes in economics and also what do you believe from a um from just a pure political perspective Well I'm
0: I'm far left um I actually did think that that Obama could create some change in in the first when when he was first elected mm-hmm. um I I I think I was I was clearly uh, mistaken mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> you know that was that was 5 years ago and heaven I, forbid perhaps, a politician and,
1: lied to you lee heaven forbid it, a politician lied to you
0: yeah i know seriously well there's you know, there's a great video of uh of him of the 2007 obama arguing with the 2013 obama <laughs> and it, it's pretty freaking incredible it's you know it's like him saying no more warrantless wiretapping no more you know spying on citizens without any reason mm-hmm. and uh it's it's hysterical but anyway uh I'm, I'm far left, but, but the thing is, like, I don't think that our polit, I don't think that the two parties that we're allowed to vote for, the Democrats and the Republicans, and keep in mind, everybody should know this because it's sadly still not common knowledge that Jill Stein tried to attend one of the debates and, uh, the Green Party presidential (laughs) candidate and was locked in a basement chained to a chair with an armed guard for the entirety of the debate. Uh, this is a, you know, like 60 year old woman who's about four foot two. I'm mm-hmm. exaggerating, but she's tiny. Yeah. And apparently is such a, a risk, such a threat to our democracy that she, she might get some information out there that doesn't fit in the two party paradigm that she had to be chained to a chair with an armed guard while <laughs> America got to see the two allowable candidates, uh, debate the issues. Um, and you can read that news story, uh, uh, online pretty easily. But, right. I think it comes down to our two parties don't actually represent uh, much of a difference anymore, except on certain social issues, you know, like gay marriage. Sure. But for the most part, they're 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 the corporate party. They're a single corporate party, um, and and the the outside the corporate party. And this is why. I have more in common, even though I'm far left, I have more in common with say Ron Paul or something mm-hmm. than I do with a lot of Democrats. And Ron Paul has you know, even though he runs or ran or Rand Paul now runs as a as a Republican, they don't like they have less in common with Republicans than you know, than than just about anybody. Like right, right. it doesn't the system doesn't work anymore. It doesn't actually speak to anything anymore. Uh, the parties don't mean anything anymore, and and so I think we need to start thinking of corporate candidates and non corporate candidates, and that's really where you're going to see a difference. Uh, that's rather a really per- good point. Rather than pretending that that the Democrats and the Republicans uh, uh, are going to are going to be different on anything, and you know a great a great place you saw just how bought and sold our Congress is, and this is not taking any stance on the gun issue. This is just this is just going by the polls right. that apparently background checks. They've done surveys, background checks Only background checks Are more popular in America than kittens <laughs> Than freaking kittens Alright and, and, and yet still Our Congress couldn't pass background checks Because they're not representing America no. If they represented America That would have gotten through easily That would have gotten through with 90% of the vote If they represented America right. But instead you have something that's more popular than kittens And it, can, <laughs> it can't get through Congress and by the way, the one thing I am happy about that though is I, is I I am tired of kittens being up on their high horse with all their every video they post get a million views. They are so full of themselves.
1: They're nothing but a pretty face. Absolutely, man. I mean we work we work hard and try to inform people. We get like three thousand views and you know, all they gotta do is lay on their back and, you know, put their paws out and that's a couple million YouTube likes right there. But uh you know, I I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, plug all your stuff one more time, really quick, so we can make sure to get the word out about you. And uh, I'm gonna actually come try to see you in uh, in. Aren't you gonna be in Asheville in July? July 1st? Yeah, come on down. Yeah, yeah, man. North Carolina. Absolutely, that's a beautiful place. Have you ever been there before? Yeah, once. It is. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, you just want to stay. <laughs>
0: I know, I know. Seriously, it's, it's a wonderful city. But yeah, if people are there, I'll I'll be in Asheville on July 1st. But all the schedule and the details and everything is at LeeCamp.net. As are the free videos and the free podcast uh, called Moment of Clarity. And uh, I have two comedy albums out uh, that that are far funnier than everything I've said here, and uh, and a book as well, Moment of Clarity book that was number five on Amazon's political humor list. It was actually beating Bill Maher for a while, but it was still losing out to Glenn Beck. But I just like that Glenn Beck is now categorized as political humor.
1: Well, it is in my book. I mean, that guy <laughs> went that guy went from Morning Shock Jock to CNN to Fox to to Fox Afternoon to his own show and now he's all about now he's all about conspiracies. He does a really great job of making his making himself some money, though. Any anything that's hot, he can really well, latch on to it.
0: Make a lot of money. But basically, he and some other radio show hosts have learned that they need a conspiracy every day in mm-hmm. order to get ratings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one out of every hundred could be true, right. but it they don't differentiate. So
1: just every day, new conspiracy coming out. Oh, absolutely, or they or they at least present the paradigm that it could be a conspiracy. Well, you know, there's good there's good and bad things to that. I mean, at least you get the people thinking, but you don't want people thinking conspiracy all the time. The real big conspiracy, we both know, is inside of the uh, District of Criminals up there. So as long as we can all work together to change that, and I, I guess I would consider myself an anarcho-capitalist. So I, I believe that government will be someday obsolete. I think that we're perfectly capable of governing ourselves. And like you said, one of the biggest issues that, that government was supposed to tackle and the reason that corporations were actually invented was to create roads. And so right. now we have infrastructure problems, and you have every president get up there and talk about it. And I think that you hit on it before. Isn't it like 70% plus that are actually, that the, that the, of the bridges in America that are obsolete and, and are in danger of collapsing? Yeah, there's something like 66,000 that are, uh, structurally deficit. Oh. Huh. That everything's fine though, guys. Everything's fine. Don't worry. The government's going to build a new, you know, two billion dollar drone. And uh, there was an article that came out today about um, this new stealth fighter that they've got. And they said that um, they think the Chinese have hacked the uh, the blueprints for it and, and stole the uh, the stealth the new stealth plane that was worth a couple million dollars. So, you know, everything's fine. They'll just go build a couple million dollar fighters and go over there to Syria and um, you know support freedom over there for them. But meanwhile, here in America, we get. Uh, we get no freedom, no freedom of speech, and we get no privacy. So welcome to America, everybody. And I got a little chant here for you, Lee. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but this is a little chant I typically do on the podcast, and this is how we'll end it. USA!
0: USA! USA!
1: Oh, yes. That's how everybody <laughs> reacts to arresting the terrorists up in um, in Boston. As they drive black trucks around pointing machine guns at people and dragging them out of your house. So <laughs> But hey, Lee Camp, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, everybody be sure to follow him on Twitter, support him at leecamp.net and uh anything else before we go, bud? No, that's it. Keep fighting out there. All right, man. Take care. Thanks to everybody for listening in. You'll see this podcast on the uh We Are Not Cattle website, wearenotcattle.net. Also check it out. I will put it up on the YouTube channel We Are Not Cattle TV. Thanks so much to our guest Lee Camp and uh like you said, keep fighting out there, everybody. <laughs>